everybody, welcome to another comic episode of Game My Mom Found. I am Mike Carpenter, and who's with me tonight? Uh, Dave Wheeler, local comic artist, Twitch streamer, wrestling commentator, and all-around creative fella. You definitely are. I've, that's how I met you. <laughs> with yeah, convention. I say, we met, we met a long time ago. Yeah, at Hot Comics. Yeah, seems like a lifetime ago at this point. <laughs> it does. It was like seven, six, seven years ago at this point, I want to say. Yeah, because I met you pr- pretty close to when I was starting. I think it was my first or second year working at Hot Comics, so it's been a, it's been a minute, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and where might people know you from? Uh, well, I've been a comic artist for going on 12 years now. I run an all-ages comic company called Mindwave Comics. I do pretty much, you name a show in the Midwest, I've done it. I've toured around the country and whatnot. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Dave Wheeler. On Instagram, I'm at the Dave Wheeler. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm all around everywhere. I mean, I'm on Twitch these days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the Foosh, as well as Heel Turn Radio. So, yeah, name name it, and I'm I'm probably in there somehow. Yes, yeah, that's accurate. I never, I I know you do the couple different shows I've seen. Mm-hmm. They're not my wheelhouse, but I did click on them before and listen to them a little bit. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, on Mondays, it's uh, Toy News Roundup from the weekend. On Tuesday, it's Tiny Mang Tuesdays, which is live customizing, and usually we have a guest or two on uh, where we talk wrestling and customize live on Twitch and you know answer questions on uh, how, to, how to make custom figures, how to do that stuff. Then on Wednesday, back on the Foosh uh, Twitch channel, um, and we're doing an AEW or NXT watch along every week with uh, myself, Robo, and Cincy Nerd. So it's a bunch of toy dorks talking wrestling, which is a bunch of fun. So yeah, so twitch.tv slash thefoosh or twitch.tv slash heel turn radio. Uh, that's where you can find me Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Or you can find me online at mindblowstudios.com for my personal portfolio site or my company site, mindwavecomics.com. All right. So definitely you will see a link in the show notes if anyone want to check him out. But the reason you're here today is you actually got me to... Because I asked you what's one of your favorite comics, and you had told me about... Which I had heard many times over the years, but have for some reason never bothered to read it. It's Kingdom Come by DC Comics, written by Mark Wade and drawn by Alex Ross. Yeah. Which is... It's, it, it's, it's a stunning, like, almost semi-post-apocalyptic, like, dystopian... <laughs> view on uh i i wouldn't say post-apocalyptic dystopian view of dc comics future and yeah as before we got this rolling i i mentioned you know it's one of those books that legit i i kind of grew up with i remember it being announced in you know in wizard magazine and i remember you know reading it when it as it came out and then they published a thing of easter eggs like that they went through and broke down with with alex ross like through all the artwork and I just feasted on that growing up just because it was so so cool and so neat to see those intricacies that you never really put to paper before you know what I mean yeah and his his artwork is really something else oh yeah this was this was a a big deal um you know because outside of this you know outside of Alex Ross really at the time there weren't a lot of really well-known painters that were doing mainstream books um, you know, you had, you had fine artists in comics, no doubt, but you know, you had, had guys like, I mean, even, you know, Steve Rude, Bernie Wrightson, oh, I am, I blanking now entirely. Of course that's going to happen. Uh, I can't, I don't really know artists that well. So. Anyways, you know, like there were, there's a ton of fine artists in, in comics, but this was like such a spotlight on this, this painterly style you know, and really, you know, Marvel had Marvels that was also done by Alex Ross. And then there was Kingdom Come. Like, these were two epics that were, you know, put to the page and really kind of opened up a new genre, almost, of artists. Because I, I think without this, you wouldn't have guys like uh, Paulo Rivera or Gabriel Deloto, you know, you know, pumping out these amazing, you know, painterly styles. You know, you had Bill Sinkovich you know, who was doing it kind of like on and off, but his painterly stuff wasn't always translating to like the comic page, like he would do the covers, but then inside would be more of a traditional styling. So this was such a cool jump in my mind. This must have taken a long time to draw or paint. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say it took like three or four years. Yeah, <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> yeah, so 
it's one of those one of those things of just it, it is a work of art. Yeah, like, it really no, is, no doubt. It also come my interest because I had saw the Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four movie not too long ago, and I was when I saw about her oh. gold armor, someone had referenced that it came from this book. That also kind of yeah. got my interest because I people have been telling me to read this book for years. <laughs> I just yeah. never got around to it. Yeah, man. No, the uh, yeah, that in, in nineteen eighty four, you know, she she dons her golden eagle armor. The cool thing is, is like now we've seen iterations of so many characters from this. You know, Brandon Ralph Superman in last or two years ago's uh, Infinite Crisis crossover, where he dons the Kingdom Come outfit, has the grayed out temples. You also see Kevin Conroy don the exoskeleton of that the Batman from oh, Kingdom cool. Come as well. Like it's it's funny because I feel like DC Comics is like we want to do this movie, we want to do this book somehow. But it's such an epic that they just have to kind of sprinkle it throughout, like, all of their franchises. Yeah, I, um, c- I couldn't see them doing this. Not with the way they handle movies anyway right now. But Yeah, uh, I could see them doing it as, like, an HBO mega series, But, like, I couldn't see them. Yeah, I couldn't see them doing that. But, you know, again, you know, you had Marvel's, you know, coming out in 94 that had had Ross, you know, doing this style. And people were blown away. And then, you know, that was a historic, like a quote unquote historical view of Marvel, because that was like the, you know, from yours or my perspective, it's it's from the perspective of a photojournalist, you know, in the age of Marvels, like in the beginning of the Marvel Universe. And then this, you know, is it starts from where almost like comics have aged in real time. And so it was so cool because this isn't retelling stories. This is an all new story, which was amazing and is amazing you know it also tends to be a lot of like the golden age type characters too i feel like oh yeah i mean that's that's the thing is you know you in going through this i mean you have your core justice league but you know i I remember growing up and like starting to read this and i didn't realize i remember the first time i read through this green lantern's alan scott yeah that threw me for a loop too because i thought it was hal jordan just old hal jordan but um then they at one point either they say alan yeah. Or somewhere I read something that it was Alan Scott. And I'm like, oh, I did not see that. Yeah, well, and that, and that was the the kind of cool thing about the whole whole deal was, you know, when you're when you're doing this, it's it, it I don't know, it, it's that thing of I, I was a very young, I mean, I think I was like ten when this came out, nine or ten, and uh, the only Green Lantern I really knew were was Hal Jordan. You know, I knew I knew of. Um, John Stewart, and I knew of, you know, a lot of the more, I don't know, the prototypical lanterns like Kilowog and Guy Gardner and stuff. But like, I I knew very little of Alan Scott, and so that I mean, it was cool. Like, I learned a new character, and in doing so, then you know, Jeff Johns Justice Society came out not too long after that, and you know, I fell in love with all the Justice Society characters. But yeah, no, this. This took some some incredible deep dives on characters, which was fun. <laughs> also, it played with one thing that I love about DC Comics was DC Comics to me was always about all about legacy. And the neat thing was, you know, you had the Teen Titans, you had, you know, how many friggin Robins you had, you Fine. know, all, all these next gen superheroes. So you could see it progressing in time. And this plays off the idea of, well, Kids aren't always going to do what you think they're going to do. You know, like you end up having this generation of of basically antiheroes that come about, you know, from in, in this legacy of, you know, the Golden and Silver Age characters. And it's pretty neat. Like the, the creativity that went into it just blew me away. Like I remember they did this thing of they had all the covers from Kingdom Come and it's actually in the trade where they num like he it's big group shots oh. uh, of characters and like they went through and numbered out everybody of like this is who they are this is what they are you know and so you know it's 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 goofy stuff like on the issue 1 you know number 24 is stripes modern stripesy armored to the teeth it's like it's just vague enough that you're like okay I want to know more about this character but then you have to go through and you know read the book to see where the hell this character is because there's just so many characters all over the place i didn't recognize majority of the characters were a lot of were there a lot of like a new character they just made like is migo yep. yeah okay. there's uh, well and that's the thing is pretty much in that like first issue where it's all like you know the justice league going to fight this new breed 
you know, the thing is the new breed is all legacy characters. They're all new. You know, there's very, there's very few that, you know, come about, you know, come, come from DC lore that already existed. Okay. I mean, Magog uh, on his own or Magog or however you say it, you know, was, was such a huge character for this. And I remember sitting there looking at that character and being like, it's Cable with a goat helmet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the character was much deeper than that. But, you know, at that point, dude with a Cybertronic arm and one glowy eye. I only knew one character like that. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like one of my favorite characters that's in here is uh, Dead Man. I, that was I, a cool scene. Oh, well, dude, I grew up I grew up loving like Neil Adams run on it. And like in this, he is a dead man. He's a skeleton in like a very ghoulish persona you know he wasn't just kind of a wrinkly stark white dude you know in an, in an acrobat onesie you know like this was a skeleton with you know a uniform just hanging off of it which just created this crazy cool drama to you know his scenes because you know before it's like okay i have kind of a wrinkly white dude in a acrobat onesie telling me you know that he's possessed someone now it's a skeleton you know, like it it just it plays off those almost like I don't want to say primordial fear, but, you know, like you're just like, oh, yeah, that's not that's not right. That's not natural. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was I, I don't know a whole lot about the character, but I when I got to that part in the book, I was I was a little surprised. I actually I really liked it. There were some really interesting takes for me and the characters. I don't have as much history with DC Comics or a lot of these characters. I'm just starting to read more comics, right but seeing some of the different ways they took them, like I really like Hawkman for some reason. I don't know why. I never read a Hawkman Gorgeous. book. I just I like the way he looks and seeing him in here where he's very to me it felt like he's kind of like a like a god from Egypt essentially just taken out because he just looks like something of that nature very much so more than I know he that's, is part Egyptian depending on what backstory you go. That's definitely by, where he came from though. I mean that's definitely what they were going for in this. I don't did you because you just picked it up in trade right? Pretty much yeah. Okay, so like, do you which which cover do you have? Do you have the big fight scene cover, or do you have like the profiles cover? I just read a digital thing of each of the regular issues. Oh, okay, right on. Never mind. But it it, it was a trade essentially, just put together. No, and it's, have no, it's all good. Stuff. There is a uh, there is a, a big poster. It was a big marketing image, which was like a really cool scrolling poster that my brother had growing up. That's what's actually on the cover of this. And it just, it, it, again, it's just such a cool angle of it all. You know what I mean? I've been looking up uh, pictures as we've been talking, like it is the, it is really cool to see the way they do the style of characters. Mm. Uh, they, I they, love how yeah. like the story revolves so much around Superman leaving because they killed the Joker, which I thought was interesting how this guy, this new superhero taking or Miko or whatever his name is, kills the Joker. Oh, Magog. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was cool to me. I'm like, well, somebody need to do it at some point. Yeah, you know, and and that's that's just the thing is when you go and read this, and it it's kind of a commentary. I didn't realize this until way later. Like Magog is kind of a commentary on modern comics, you know, because like he has the big stupid shoulder strap. He has, you know, all these very stereotypical '90s is like you know, traits to him, you know, the cybernetic crap, the cybernetic eye, the big pads, all the pouches. I mean, he's a Rob Liefeld character, you know, um, and, you know, but yeah, you know, he was doing all this darker stuff, you know, he just he straight up kills the Joker, you know, where everybody's like, oh, yeah, no, he's a hero, you know, that stopped the Joker from ever doing this to anybody else. Yeah, we didn't have, and like, in the comic, they talk about where Joker had killed Lois Lane, killed yep. Avatar. Um, Jimmy Olsen, but you at least you didn't have Superman go crazy or anything like we almost had in a movie. But yeah, no, and, that, and <laughs> that's, that's, you know, there's just so much stuff. Also, like seeing, you know, seeing Superman's reaction and seeing him finally go, I'm done and walk away and it being this terrifying thing. Like when you're reading it, it has this like very strange moment of like, you're just like, holy shit. He took his ball and went home. Like he walked away like this, you know, superhero of superheroes just up and left. Yeah, because he, he breaks down pretty much when they see this guy not as a villain, but as a hero after he killed the Joker and he, he just leaves. <laughs> yeah, well, because he's like, OK, what the hell am I here for? You know, this isn't this isn't justice. And yeah, but, you know, like, yeah, there's just there's so much to it. And I I don't know, like, like I said, it just holds up like this is literally one of probably six books I come back and read probably annually 
Like I read, I read Kingdom Come at least once a year. Like just because it's it's fun, it gets me in. I don't know it 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 makes me want to do better in comics and create better <laughs> in comics because I I just remember how powerful this book was you know, when I first read it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it hit me. It hit me a little bit. I mean, I like I said, I don't have the history, but still, it was just just the way that everything goes on, and I think it's very interesting how the whole take of the narration is not from, as you were saying before, not from a hero. It's just from some guy who's being brought through, you know, to see these events through the specter, which is a character. I don't really know. This is my first time ever reading the specter. I know him from the cartoons a little bit. Oh, right on. I'm not very familiar with him. I see. I'm I'm like, I, I had a, had a weird love of the specter before this book, even because I was reading, I was reading some kind of odd, odd, like, I don't even know if they were essentials or whatnot. I used to check stuff out from the library all the time, and I would just be like, that looks cool. <laughs> I'd check it out. One of the cool, like, kind of things about this is, so Norman McKay, like, the protagonist of the book, like, the, the old man preacher who's going throughout all this with the Spectre, is actually based on Alex Ross's dad. Oh. Um, he, that's, that was his model for that character. So, you know, he's drawing his father going, you know, playing in the playground of the immortals, you know, in the comics and whatnot. So it's just, it's kind of cool in that matter too, where it's just like, oh man, you know, this was kind of a love letter to his dad at the same time. That's really cool. That makes it, that makes it more interesting now. Yeah. You know, it offers a a, a different perspective to it, but you know, and and the cool thing was, is with this, there were several like little spinoffs that they did too. Like they did a mini series called the kingdom that focused around several of like the kind of sub stories that they keep referencing. Um, it's not, it's not drawn by Alex Ross uh, or anything, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of neat. You know, it, it tells you the story of several of these young characters that are kind of blips in the overall story. But you know, this gives you a different perspective. Like all of them were written by Mark Wade, so you know it's in the same voice. But the the pencilers, you know, like the artists on it, it it's just funny to look through who they got because they got like Jerry Ordway and like Matt Haley, Frank Whitley, Barry Kitson, and like Mike Zek on these. You know, and it's like it's I don't know, it's cool. It's an you know, it's an accessory, if you will, to the the main story, but. If you wanna, if you wanna get more fleshed out with the characters, like if you wanna learn more about them, check out the Kingdom miniseries. It's pretty awesome. Okay, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to read that then because I, I got more into this than I thought I would. Like I did like the different takes on the characters. I was actually, I really liked the different take on Batman, where he's an old man. Oh yeah, like a just like kind of like Batman Beyond, but more capable. Yeah, you know, he, well, and that's the thing is, I like that. Unlike you know a Frank Miller Batman where he's like oh my god how does he have that much muscle and how is he still move, <laughs> moving in spandex you know it's like nope he has an exoskeleton because he needs an exoskeleton <laughs> because without it he can't move he's old he's broken he got the living shit kicked out of him for years <laughs> you know like that was always one of the things that struck me is this showed Batman as weak in that that manner but at the same time showed that he had the most immense strength out of anyone because he's like, yeah, I can't move without this. I'm helpless without my technology and my armor and my gadgets. But at the same time, he's still one of the, the Trinity, you know, he's still one of those great heroes. And this, and he's mostly just, he uses robots now too, which is whole version of peace was, I built robots and I put everyone in fear. So everyone behaves now. It was just like, yeah, no, that's, he created a, a, essentially a sentry army, which is neat. It's kind of weird that he basically created a police state with his own technology. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is very dystopian. Everything in this is kind of dystopian. Like when you had the Flash, the Flash isn't even, he's there, but he's stuck, never stopped moving. So, and it, yep. I also catch it was the other Flash, Jay Gardner, I want to say. Jay, Jay Garrick. Jay Garrick. I combined yeah. names there. <laughs> well, and, and was, again, it, it's one of those interesting things of it's, it's almost surreal because you're left sitting there going, okay, what about Barry Allen? What about, you know, but then you're like, oh, Barry Allen died in infinite crisis. So in this world, he never came back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's very much the golden age type heroes in, I know it's another, there's another elseworld ta- Elseworlds tale, which I also, I'm, I'm realizing I really like Elseworlds a lot. That's oh yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Marvel. What if 
like what if and elseworlds were my jam like because everybody knows the main story everybody knows you know like the general strokes of marvel and dc characters but when you get stuff like kingdom come or speeding bullets was one of my favorites too where basically the story was clark crashed in gotham instead of smallville and so he was raised by the Waynes, and the same thing happened to the Waynes that always happened to the Waynes. And so Superman grew up being Batman. But the cool, th- like, spoiler alert from like 1993, the, the cool thing is, is by the end, he drops the Batman persona and becomes Superman because in the end, you can't change what he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's that pure of a character, which is, is cool. Like, and it was a very neat take because all of a sudden Batman's bulletproof has all these superpowers and can do all this crazy shit, you know? And it's like, Oh God, that's terrifying. I might have but, to read this. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, right uh, my alley. Yeah. Speeding, speeding bullets is the name of it. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. I, yeah. Elseworlds, Elseworlds was always my jam. What if was always my jam. I'm trying to keep it more DC eccentric because I know we're talking about kingdom come, which is a DC property. But man alive, I what if was my first my, the, the first comic line I I successfully got a complete run of just because I loved it that much like piecemealed that together and and like the the Wonder Woman that you get in this book I thought was also I mean it kind of fit close to where she was but at the same time like she's lost a lot more in this world where she's no longer really involved with the Amazon with the Amazon they casted her away. And she's very like you can you can see the anger in her where she's like, yes, we got to kill. We have to do whatever we have to do to bring peace. Yeah, I failed and I need to fix it. And I it's 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 cool how she is and how determined she is to kill. She has to kill, which is Wonder Woman. So it fits to make this right. Yeah. The oh man. Yeah. I I love that. It's it's that that crazy thing of you know in like New Fifty Two they were like oh Superman and Wonder Woman are lovers and it's like <laughs> it's never been done before I'm like bullshit it was done in this book yeah they kissed like, a couple points I think yeah and like again the Mark Wade is one of my favorite writers because I actually just pulled I I have the book in front of me there's a panel where she's basically like no screw you I'm going into war I'm gonna fight for what what we need to and it says her lips brush his with the sound of marble scraping steel. It is a kiss completely devoid of passion. It is a final farewell. And it's like, damn, like the imagery of that and the the visceral sound like in your head like that is, you know, and it's just like you don't think about that. But at the same time, they're both immortal. They're both invulnerable. And, you know, it's that thing of like you don't think about tiny things like that. It was skin to skin contact, but it sounded like rock against metal. Like how effing nuts is that you know what i mean yeah like it's little it's little bits like that like i i'm trying to remember the uh i think it's in mark wade's fantastic four he describes the sound of mr fantastic stretching like a balloon rubbing against it you know itself (laughs) and i'm just like i'm like oh 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 like it's stuff that you don't think about you know (laughs) you know i never would have thought about that (laughs) balloons rubbing together but i can i can buy it right you know and but it's it's that thing of like he does such a good job of making it making it not only about what you're looking at, like all of a sudden your brain has to process these these weird these weird other notes where all of a sudden it's creating a more filled out a more filled out image in your head. All of a sudden it becomes something you can hear. It becomes something that you could nearly touch, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now and I have like, the hiccups. How that <laughs> like any good book, it does have like they're very climactic events like you have the fact that they blow up kansas with a nuclear bomb oh yeah they're dumb <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah and you know and and that's the thing is you know they create the bubble that that saves you know how many but at the same time you know like you get moments like billy batson finally coming to and realizing all the crap that he's done has been so evil you know and that you was... know he sacrificed himself like the fact that this book made shazam like it made made dc's captain marvel into such an important character was so huge at the time because they were doing jack crap with him. <laughs> Sorry, I'm also trying to not to swear. Oh, you can swear. I swear all the time on the show. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> but you know, again, it's it's that thing of again, it's just it it's a it's uh it's a feast for the senses, which sounds so cliche and flowery, but it's it's the thing of Mark Wade does such a great job of making 
this full robust image, you know, where basically Alex Ross lays down the literal image out and then Mark Wade fills in all these extras, you know, it just, it, I don't know. Again, it, to me, it's one of those things of, it's just such a cool picture of what, you know, what could be in DC comics, you know, what, where these kind of classic renditions of these characters could end up. And granted, now, you know, it seems like every other month we have a, this is where they end up. This is how they die. This is how, you know, like there's always these events happening. You know, this was such a huge feat at the time and it, it holds up. Yeah, it was still very well done book and it, it, it held my interest. And I also want to ask, was this like the first time that we'd seen Shazam called Captain Marvel in a while? Cause I know there was a lawsuit or something of that nature. No, I mean, they, they referred to him, you know, they, they'd be like Shazam, you know, or, or Captain Marvel or some would call him cap. I mean, it was brought up, okay, you know, here and there, but you know, like they basically, his, his name in most comics was Shazam, you know, you know, like they had they had gone by that for so long that, you know, them referring to him as Captain Marvel was a big thing. But the thing about this other stuff that was happening around this time, you know, you had the Marvel DC crossovers happening where it seemed like there was more, you know, good, good blood, <laughs> for lack of a better term. You know, <laughs> like it was less, you know, the House of Mouse versus Warner Brothers. You know, it was, you know, it, it seemed like they were very much, oh, hey, you know, we're. <laughs> We are, you know, we are working together because, you know, that the the iconic one of DC versus Marvel, you know, the the one that where you could vote who won some of the fights, you know, that happened in 1996. That came out, you know, in 96, you know, right around the same time as this. So, you know, you got to wonder if maybe there was some, you know, some, you know, tit for tat type thing. You know what I mean? Like. Oh, hey, we're working together. Hey, can we call him Captain Marvel? Can we make this a thing? Like, and, you know, after that, they had Amalgam, which was, you know, literally the universes combining combining (laughs) into one and having, like, the most ridiculously awesome characters. Again, another prospect that could, I doubt will ever happen again in our lifetime. But man alive, was I a sucker for Amalgam. And I couldn't even say the damn word because I would say (laughs) Amlegam. Because again, I think I was like ten. <laughs> yeah, I can't see them ever working together again. So yeah, I mean they're just such huge corporate ent- entities now. Yeah, um, which is a bummer because like those like Silver Age crossovers, like Superman versus Spider Man and Batman versus Hulk and X Men versus the Teen Titans, which I still seem to think and remember that even the first time reading that, being like, this is so so unevenly matched you have the x-men versus the teen titans that's a jump but you know at the same time i loved it because it was that thing of you never you never thought you'd see your childhood playtime stories play out you know when you're playing with your toys batman can always team up with spider-man or you know wolverine or you know like because you're creating that story but seeing it actually on a in a printed book was so surreal and so awesome uh, yeah, I never read any of the crossover stuff yet for some reason. Oh man, give it a go. It's why. it's so weird. <laughs> like it's it's so wonderful and weird. But yeah, definitely worth a read. Okay. And one of the things about Kingdom Come that kind of comes to mind, like and I like why well, I always like when I get to see other iterations of the characters. Like you see Lex Luthor, but now he's older, of course, and he's like trying oh, he's and he has a Legion of Doom. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I love that basically he's he's the kingpin, like and also it's old fat Luthor. You know, like he hadn't been reworked into, you know, young, sexy, you know, redheaded, you know, red bearded, you know, young Alexander Luther. You know, he wasn't that. He was the old, fat, rich, bald man who wanted to kill Superman, which to me is is the iconic Lex Luthor. Like, I know that, you know, yeah, you have, you know, you have Kingpin, you have, you know, these other crime bosses and stuff. And that's, you know, that's here and there. Like, I grew up, my my first introduction to Superman wasn't the Reeves movie, wasn't any cartoon, like, modern cartoon. It was a VHS tape of the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. And in that, everybody is such a broad stroke of character. You know what I mean? Like, legit, Luther is just 
Oh yes, giant rich man, giant bald rich man who wants to kill Superman and and for some odd reason capture Lois Lane. You know, uh, I, I don't know. Again, it was that cool thing of just like, all right, all right, cool. You got you got my attention. Like, you know, here here you go. You this is you know. There's so much in this Kingdom Come book that is a love letter to the golden and early Silver Age that. You know, all of a sudden, it's like that iteration, those frozen time, and those are the ones that aged in real time, and that's where you get Kingdom Come. And I kind of like that because it's the most base version of a character. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it's very much the Golden Age characters. You know, years later, and not oh, the ones yeah. that we would have been reading at in at this time. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no. This is you know, if there was no reboot, if there was no you know timelessness to it. You know, if these guys aged like they they should or would, you know, yet there's like little there's little nods to like, you know, the what they're based on, too, because there's stuff like the the robots from Robots Rampage from the Fleischer Superman. Like they're kind of referenced in like when they go to the diner, like if you look in the in the diner scenes in this book, like specifically, it's like the last third of the last issue where Diana, Bruce and Clark you know, having lunch at basically the TGI Fridays, but it's DC Comics themed. Like, just look in the background and just kind of just kind of eat up all the like stupid little details that were thrown in and like just such fun nods. Oh, I, I really like the cafe the couple times they show it when people are all wearing the outfits. Yeah. And so it's like a like a fast food type restaurant, like you said, TGIF or something. And, yeah. and they're just. <laughs> oh, like the, the the one year later thing, it opens up on a soup, a guy in a Superman costume with the mullet and, oh. you know, and it's, you know, smoking or non-smoking and Diana just says, be nice, Clark. You know, and it's just hilarious because oh, yeah, somebody... it's just like that was what he looked like in the books at the time. That is he had the mullet, you know, and <laughs> yeah. even Alex Ross was just kind of point, you know, and Mark Wade were just kind of poking, poking fun at it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Remember the time you had a mullet? Like, here you go. <laughs> And I was happy because you got classic Aquaman costume. I'm I'm a big Aquaman well, fan for some unknown oh, dude, reason. Me, me too, man. <laughs> I, I've been a fan of Aquaman. Like I'm a big water guy. I love swimming. I love fishing. I love I love just being in the water. And so Aquaman was always always a character that I loved. And I always was so pissed that so many people just crapped on him. And you know, it's funny now with Momoa playing him. Like oh, there's so many people like, oh, I love Aquaman. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, he's not crapped on love- anymore. It's like you love that Aquaman. You don't love Aquaman as a whole. Like, yes, Momoa does a fantastic job. At a fantastic job, huh? Um, but you know, it's it's that thing of you know. Again, it's a cool iteration of the character that people can grasp onto, which is cool. It's too bad he's not in here. Like, there's no old. Oh wait, wait, no, I'm I'm wrong. There was yeah. an old Aquaman. I like that where he's the Emperor of Atlantis, and he's yeah. like, no, and he no, I'm, like I'm tired of your bullshit. I, I I love that he just straight up looks like King Arthur. He's got yeah. the you know the the you know just beaten up cloak and everything. And he looks fucking regal, you know, sitting, sitting in his palace. And the, the funny thing is, is it even makes a reference to that because green lantern has, Oa, you know, like has his fortress in the, in the space and Aquaman has his fortress, you know, his castle under the sea. And it even makes a point of that of like, we need to bring it all together. And I like that Aquaman's just like, Nope. <laughs> like, not not gonna put my people through that. I forgot he was just, in this because he's it's so small. And I was thinking about like, oh yeah, we, I didn't see an Aquaman, but yeah, he's he's just in it for like one and couple pages and he's done. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, again, it's it's that that kind of cool moment where they go down to talk to him, and, and you know, it's that that moment. Like I literally just just flipped it open. You know, and they're like, oh, quite the kingdom, Arthur, an architecture worthy of Paradise Island, every bit as beautiful as any place above the sea. More. The tides of time have been kind to you, princess. You have not aged a day since last we met. Like, he's such a suave mother father. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they, they kind of like, you can tell that they're kind of buttering him up. And, you know, he just comes back. He says, don't insult me by acting disingenuous, Superman. It's not as, we're, as if we're unused, unused to being burdened with the surface world's refuse. Permission denied. <laughs> And it's legit, like just this little, like back and forth. It's, I think it's, it's two pages. It's not long at all. That's why I forgot he was even in this. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's so funny. I do enjoy the a, a, a faint invitation, though I miss the camaraderie. You, you know, I was never comfortable being your Aquaman. 
I have long since seeded my name and role to my protege. I understand many of our old friends have followed suit, which is cool because it's basically saying, hey, yeah, you know how we were we were the heroes. We, you know, I gave that name to and my suit to my successor. Aqualad is now Aquaman, you know, playing off that that legacy, which is just so fun. And, you know, it, it's also it's also that moment of, you know, you, princess, surely understand how easy uneasy lies the head of that wears the crown. I no longer have my rail station, Arthur. No. Yes. Recently, my Amazon sisters decreed that I had failed my mission as an ambassador. And you get that beat of, oh, shit, she's not even welcome on Themyscira anymore. Like she is not royalty anymore. You know, it's it's that moment of like up until now, you assume that, you know, Diana is still still, you know, princess or queen of the Amazons. And then you're just like, oh, nope, nope. She she was denounced. She was a, there's a small scene that really got me when she has her sword when they're gearing up for this big battle later on. And and Superman touches it and he cuts himself. She's like, you always yep. were a weak against magic. Yep. <laughs> Which is true. Like that was that was always the one thing that could stop Superman was magic and kryptonite. Yeah, <laughs> but I like know, magic better because yeah, it's going with the green rock. But. It's that moment of just like, oh shit! Like also the moment that that Wonder Woman fucking punches the table on Oa and it breaks, and it's just like, oh, oh damn! <laughs> like well, you did get a bunch of like the the guardian type beings. I know you get the one from Oa, the guardian, but you get some other beings I think that were around that table too that don't want to interfere. I don't think I recognize them. At least not old versions. Uh, it's it's uh, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to find that panel now. It's stuff like uh, it's like the wizard Shazam. It's I'm trying to think. I think Phantom Stranger is there. Okay, there's Characters a, a, a bunch of kind of the <laughs> overarching characters. But again, there's there's that moment of you know Batman fighting Wonder Woman, and they go up through the clouds, and they see the you know the plane bringing the missile that you know the new that looks that straight up looks. Like Kal El's ship, like looks like. Clark's oh, I didn't catch that. Station. Yeah, okay, like that's... when you look at the missile, it looks like some of the designs for that, and it's just like, oh shit! And okay, and again, cool. you know, you have that moment of you know Superman fighting Shazam. Billy finally realizes what he needs to do, and it snaps him. You know, and he Superman goes to you know fly up, and Billy goes up, you know, grabs his leg, throws him down, turns into you know Shazam. And just blows it, you know, explodes the nuke. And, and you see all you know, these dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, all the skeletons. And, you know, the crazy thing is you see stuff like, you know, the armor, like the Blue Beetle's armor is in that scene. You know, there's the, the you know, tr- the giant, you know, the giants that have fallen over that are just these absolutely, you know, gigantic skulls. You know, you see the, the shield or no, what is it? It's not the shield. Yeah, it's the shield. You know, his shields are like his arms over his his face, but the shield's still there. Um, Cyborg, who's like all metal at that point, literally looks like he's turned to granite, like he's turned to stone from the explosion from the heat. Like, oh, my God. And then, it's... yeah, again, and again, you have that moment of Superman snaps and goes to basically destroy the U.N. And <laughs> it then, was really good. Yeah. And, and again, though, like you have that crazy moment of like, oh, shit, like it's going <laughs> down and. The, again, the, the cool thing that Mark Wade does very, very well is he plays on the humanity of Superman because no, realistically, nothing could stop Superman at that point except Norman McKay, who steps out of the, the you know, the veil of the, the specter and goes, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, what what are you doing to stop this? And, you know, it, it kind of speaks to, you know, the idea of, re, you know, calm and reason can win out in these instances. And that was always very powerful to me reading, especially as a young reader. You know, like I remember reading in my cousin's comic collection, you know, some of the Silver Age. Well, I guess it wasn't even when he Well, I guess it would be late Silver Age when Pa Kent dies. Like the, the coolest thing about Pa Kent's death was his son is the most powerful being in all of the universe. And he can't save his dad because his dad had a heart attack. That's pretty strong, right? You know, it's like, oh shit, like that. That's what always pissed me off about, you know, like man, like Man of Steel, like Man of Steel is its own beast, and actually, like on its own merits, there's some good stuff to it. The film or the comic? The film. Okay. You know, but uh, the the thing that pisses me off about it is uh, essentially Pa Kent dies in that one because Clark is afraid to show himself to the world. And the thing is, is that almost goes against everything that I view Superman as personally, because 
he wouldn't care in that instance. Yeah, he would still he, save. Yeah, death. he would do what he did. And the the again the the most powerful death to me in in a, a lot of comics is Pa Kent's death because Superman couldn't stop it with all his powers, all his might. The Man of Steel couldn't save his father, and it opens up that again it, it kind of it peels back that layer and reveals his humanity and you know the passion that is that character of superman and i always thought that was cool you know it's just like holy crap uh, with all this he couldn't he couldn't do anything and this one he actually tries <laughs> yeah you know imagine that i like um, how I know at some point in this book they make the whole they make the same comedy like what if somebody recognizes that she and she and wonder woman hands him glasses here, put these on. They won't notice you. Yep. And oh, I, I love it. And, like, the funny thing is, is, like, especially in that finale, like, where he's, you know, he's walking in with the plaid shirt and just looks like a good old boy, gigantic built farmer. I'm like, it reminded me of my uncle. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. Like, it was just neat to see. Well, it's, it was, a, I'm really glad that you picked it out because I, I needed to read this and I'm happy I did. Right on, man. No, I'm I'm happy to talk about comics whenever, whenever, <laughs> however. I, I I love I love comics as a whole. They, you know, oh. I don't think I don't think uh, my parents ever thought I would go this deep, <laughs> but you know, I I've been lucky enough to make a living off of you know comics and creating and you know all these stories still kick around in my brain, you know, from time to time, and it's it's always fun to to revisit an old friend. Oh, as a guy who collects figures. Yeah. Um, have you ever bought in the Kingdom Come figures before? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're DC Direct, so they're kind of, you know, semi-posable statues. But I have, actually, like, <laughs> I'm looking up at my shelf right next to my desk, and I have Batman. What do I have? I have Batman, Dead Man. Do I just have Batman and Dead Man? Oh, and uh, The Flash and Superman. I was never able to find the one, like, I wanted the, the unarmored Wonder Woman. Because they put out the the gold, like her and her gold armor, if I remember correctly, and yeah. I was just like, it's so bulky, <laughs> like I just didn't have space. Yeah, man. Especially after this conversation, I'm like, oh, should I go back and try and track some of those down? <laughs> like, dang it. I, I really like that gold armor for some reason. Now. Dude, it's it's freaking awesome looking, and like you know, it's cool to see like Hot Toys is doing one, and you know, like uh, you know, McFarlane already did one that you. I think you can get that figure for like fifteen bucks right now at Targets. Because oh, they have it marked down. Um, it's just, it's such, there's so much cool shit that came from this book that I uh, I don't know if we'll ever see something hit this level of innovation again, just because it broke so much ground. But, you know, we'll, we'll inevitably see something that will be as big a game changer, but I don't think it'll be, I mean, it obviously wouldn't be the same as this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, not trying to say that comics are going to stay. coming after, so it won't but, have the same you know, effect. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, this was such a groundbreaking book, just like Marvel's before it. And the funny thing is, Marvel actually did a, a very similar event called Earth X that came out, and Ross did the covers and the character design for it, but didn't do the guts of the book. And it was fun. You could tell that it was kind of supposed to be a reactionary story, almost. I still enjoyed it. I read some of Earth X before. Yeah, again, sol- solid read, to be sure. Yeah, I think Kingdom Come, Kingdom Come wins wins out in the end. Well, the last character that we hadn't really mentioned, I want to talk about quickly, is uh, Robin in this, which also interesting to me because he's huh. you know Dick Grayson grown up, but he didn't become Nightwing in this world. He just kept the Robin persona and just changed the yeah. suit a little bit. He and became, I thought that was cool. he became Red Robin. Yeah, which isn't that Tim Drake uh, in, the, in the regular canon? Well, now it is. Okay, that, so Tim Drake actually donned the costume in the like modern continuity. But yeah, in this one, again, you know, everybody's aging in real time. You know, basically Dick Grayson basically took the Robin mantle and became Red Robin, you know. And and the cool thing was, is again, Ross took notes from the 89 Batman suit and incorporated them into the design. Because if you look at that first panel that Red Robin pops up in, if you say that that is nothing but 89 Batman recolored with another heart, like chest harness, like a Hawkman harness on, you're fucking lying to yourself. Oh, uh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, because it, it's the the way the cowl is designed, the way the cape drapes, his even his boots, like his kickers, like his kick pads and his gloves, his belt, like it is all a love letter to the 89 Batman suit. And it is glorious. I absolutely love, I love this iteration because it also is the thing of he basically said F you to Batman. He was going to continue fighting crime on his own. 
And in the end, you see that they kind of bury the hatchet in the hospital, you know, where he he's sitting there and with his daughter, who is the daughter of him and Starfire again. So it plays, you know, continues that story arc from Teen Titans, you know, of that romance. Oh, OK. I didn't catch family. that. I didn't I didn't read it because yeah. I, I know very little Teen Titans, too. No, no, it's all good. So, yeah, Dick and uh, and Starfire uh, had okay. a relationship, especially at, at this time. And she she's actually one of the characters that they focus on in the kingdom. She's she's one of the three characters. It's like Kid Kid Flash. What is it? It's Kid Flash, Zatanna's son, and I think it's her name's Night Raven. I think Night Star, half human, half alien, daughter of the late Starfire and the former Nightwing. Oh, okay, I did not. Now I'm interested to read that. I wouldn't mind. I should take a definitely check out those miniseries because I could yeah. I could definitely read more in this world. Yeah, no, it's 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 a wonderful world. A bit of wonderful world. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot you can dive into with it. I mean, there's a lot of legacy that came from it. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that came from it that you know seeped its way into modern continuity too, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's neat. Oh, oh my Hawkman. God, Hawkman! Now, <laughs> yeah, man, dude, it's it's an amazing design. Again, well, I've been watching a lot of Stargate SG One too, so that makes oh, me yeah, even more yeah, into so that type of design. You're all in on that, so that's partly why it. When I read this book, it really hit me. I'm like, wow, that is a cool ass design because I've been watching nothing but Stargate for the last couple months. Dang, that's a lot of Stargate. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of show. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Damn, man. But yeah, dude, this was this was hella fun. And anytime you want me back, dude, just give a shout. I'm always okay. around. I definitely will. And before we wrap up, one thing we always do with the show, which I forgot to say off the air, is we do shelf stacker box. Shelf means something that you really like. You put it on the shelf. I mean, that's all it's going to be in this case. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but so, and I'll go first. Um, for this, this is definitely going on the shelf. I'm going to be recommending this book to other people because it's such a different take where you don't need to be in the world of DC Comics. You don't need to need to, need to know the continuity. You don't need to know Silver Age Golden Age. You can still just enjoy this book just mm-hmm. by itself because it has such a good story and, and so many good vibes to connect with. So. Definitely something I'll be recommending to many people in the future. For real, man. Yeah, no, totally. Like, likewise. I mean, I've I've always been recommending this <laughs> this book around. Like, <laughs> it's just it's one of those uh, pieces that just it holds up. Like I said, there's maybe six or seven books that I read every year. Like, no matter what, like Clockwork, it's just that good. All right. And before you go, I do want to ask you a couple questions about action figures. I I do know you make a lot of custom action figures. What was like when the Last one that you made. I know most of them are Marvel and DC, I want to say. Oh, some are man. <laughs> I are more recent. I've been doing a lot of wrestling figure customs. I've been collaborating with some of the guys from the major, the major uh, wrestling, the, the, yeah. The, oh my God. My brain just went to mush. <laughs> yeah. The major wrestling figure podcast, like the former Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Now Matt Cardona and Brian Myers. I've been lucky enough to do some figures for those two, as well as their producer, Mark Sterling. I've been doing a lot of commissions for a lot of, you know, friends and stuff that I've made from that community. I'm doing like a Bailey, Bailey in her heel attire custom right now. Um, I just recently made a couple uh, figures from Mike Allred's book, uh, Madman. So I made the Madman of Snap City, Frank Einstein, and I made his lovely partner, Joe Lombard. So I made those two Kind of threw some love at some some West Coast Avengers, so I did an Avengers style Beast and Avengers style Wonder Man. Are there um, no Wonder Man figures? There is there is one toy bit or technically two toy biz, and I think there's two Hasbro's same basic costume, you know, a Wonder Wonder Man vibes, and then like you know all purple Wonder Man, and then what I, what I wanted is I wanted him in his like safari jacket oh. look, like where he was kind of the movie star while also being an Avenger. So I did that and him and Beast teaming up and like being partners always was one of those relationships in comic books that I'm like, oh, man, that's that's a friendship people can strive to strive to uh, reach. Uh, yeah, yeah you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always working on something. So I own very few issues of West Coast, but I do have, I have that first appearance of Vision, the white vision. Yeah. Which went up in value a lot over the last couple months. So. Yeah, dude, it's yeah. It's wild because you have a you have you ever done a custom Hawkeye? Yeah, well, I've done I've done a couple fraction fraction style Hawkeyes. I've done some kind of classic looking comic uh, or classic looking ones. Yeah, so I remember. Yeah, you're a big Hawkeye fan, aren't you too? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, have you, can I, just really quick. So have you have you recent? Can I read the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run? Oh, that book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's so good. It, uh, again, I'm I'm hoping the. 
the series that's coming out on Disney Plus can be even half that. I it sounds like they're going down that road though. It sounds like it's going to be very much tracksuit Draculas and just yeah. all that crap. No, for sure. I enjoyed parts of that book. <laughs> I made fun of it a lot when I was reading it. Oh, dude, I I love it. That it's just so friggin' epic. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. <laughs> I it just yeah. Oh man, it it hits it hits me in all the right places. <laughs> <laughs> and we're about to wrap this up. But if you want to give a sh- a shout out to where people can find you at again. Yeah, totally. Um, so on Twitter, I'm at Dave Wheeler, D-A-V-E-W-H-E-E-L-E-R. On Instagram, I'm the Dave Wheeler, T-H-E-D-A-V-E-W-H-E-E-L-E-R. You can find some of my comic stuff over at mindwavecomics.com. You can also find that on Facebook. You know, just search Mindwave Comics. You can find my personal portfolio site uh, at mindblowstudios.com. Or you can find me on Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Mondays and Wednesdays is twitch.tv slash thefoosh. Me and my buddy Robo and uh, Cincy Nerd on Wednesdays. Talking toys, talking wrestling, all that fun stuff. On Tuesdays, you can find me customizing live with a couple of my buddies, uh, Matt and Ben. We uh, Ben swaps out every other week, so we always bring in either like a local indie wrestler or toy reviewer or just friend of the of the show. And yeah, we customize live for Tiny Mang Tuesdays. That is eight to ten p.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesdays. Mondays is nine p.m. Central Standard Time, and on Wednesdays it's seven to nine Central Standard Time. I did that all kinds of kinds of uh, places. Just kind of went all over the place, but just just look me up. I'm around. And if and not, I'll be linked in the show notes to find exactly. Him. So, <laughs> and if you enjoyed this episode, we do tons of other comics. We do movies. We do games. That's mainly what we do in the show is games. But definitely go check out our past catalog. I'm sure you'll find something that catches your eye. And want to give a shout out to our awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Bobby, aka Mike Tony from ZP Bite the Bullet. Song is cool, Kid Squad. Definitely go check him out. And please, if you enjoyed this, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube finally. So definitely find us on there. And if you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon now. I don't have anything going on with it yet, but feel free to drop us, some, drop us a dollar. You can find it. You'll find a link in the show notes. And that's all I need to say. And I want to thank Dave for coming on for the show. Thanks for having me, man. And we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. See ya. See ya.